steadfast i am so glad to be with you tonight once again as we wrap up not just our current series the book of life but our entire journey through the book of philippians that we have been on for just over a year now we've seen a lot of territory in that we've seen how it applies to what it means to be the church and now we have just one verse left it's the the parting words and, and oftentimes parting words aren't something we spend a lot of time on Maybe we pay attention if someone signs sincerely or warmest regards or God bless or whatever it might be. But oftentimes we almost treat that very closing to a letter today as something to throw away. And as we see some of those phrases get repeated from letter to letter in the New Testament, I think we can treat them the same way. But as we explore this tonight, I think we'll find that these are not words to be thrown away at all. They're very much a part of the core message that Paul wants his friends in Philippi to take with them as they close out this letter. So let's come before our God, ask that he would help us to see what he wants us to see in this final verse, and then we'll jump in. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for this book of Philippians, this incredibly encouraging book, this book that shows so much of the truth of your gospel, and also a beautiful picture of a church seeking to follow your word. Lord, as we reflect on these words tonight, would you help us to pull together the things that you've taught us as we've read through this epistle and help us to present your truth to the world that needs it so badly. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about how we seek after peace. I think all of us seek after it in different ways, and we've talked about that before. We, we yearn for something that feels peaceful and stable and, and easy to control. And especially when we've just come out of something that is very much out of control. A few weeks ago, we had our Sunday night service, and I remember looking towards it, there was on the weather forecast the possibility that we might have some snow or ice, but it looked really, really unlikely. The weather didn't look at all threatening as we prepared to meet. And so as I wrestled with whether we should go online only or we should go ahead and still have in-person service, it seemed like, well, we just need to go ahead and have in-person service. If I cancel for snow with the kind of weather we're having, everyone's going to think I'm absolutely insane. It's going to be just fine. And so we had the service. And what do you know? By the end of the service, ice pellets were coming down and the roads were getting slick. And, and that was a really, really long drive home, a drive that normally would take maybe 10 minutes, took more like 45, and they weren't 45 fun minutes, they were 45 very stressful minutes trying to dodge through the ice, not to slide, and to avoid the various accidents that were blocking the normal route. It was not a peaceful drive, and I felt so relieved when it was over. I remember thinking, though, that I was really feeling kind of cold and it must have just been the stress. I was just so stressed out from that until I, I took a shower that night and I realized I was covered in red spots. And of course, if you follow Steadfast every week, you know that I came down with chicken pox a number of weeks ago. Just so happened I discovered it that night. 
And so that momentary relief, I've made it past this ice. Everything is nice and peaceful now, nice and safe and warm at home. Suddenly turned into, oh boy, something else, something unexpected and something very stressful. When we seek after peace so often, we think we get to that moment of peace and like some bad cartoon character, it feels like that's when the anvil drops or the floor drops out or whatever it might be. And we're just waving by as the little cloud drops us down. It feels like that. Paul speaks of a different kind of peace. And he speaks of someone who provides that peace who never leaves. He's never going to just get us safely to the house and then leave us for whatever's next. The the red spots or the roof falling in or the next storm coming or whatever it might be. What is it that, that we're currently striving for peace in? And if we really just stop and are honest with ourselves for a moment, we... we we say, you know, okay, I, I really want peace in this area, and that's not a bad thing to want. But then we realize, but once I get to that, I'm either going to be focused on all the other parts of my life that aren't peaceful, or I'm going to find the next thing that's going to bring stress. I'm not even trying, it's just going to happen. Well, let's go ahead and think about what Paul has for us in this last verse. And as we think about what God has inspired him to write here, we find a pointer to a different kind of peace. Let's go ahead and take a look. Verse 23. Paul says, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Not very much there, is there? Just just that one little phrase. And, and like I said, it sounds like it's something that's almost throwaway. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. But what do we find as we read over those words? And I would bet that for many of us, the amount of time I left that up and had us think about it, it's probably more time than we have spent on that verse, maybe ever. But what do we find there in that very simple verse? Well, we find this very important thing. What remains with them, as Paul parts, as he's leaving them, is the thing that he's been talking about over and over again in the letter. It's the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that grace isn't just some theological concept or, or some sense that God offers forgiveness. It's so much more than that. And that's something that Paul said at the very beginning of the letter. Take a look at verse 2. Paul said, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's expecting them to think back to that initial greeting, another area that we often race through in a letter when he gives that, that final greeting. And as he says, the grace of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, he's expecting them to think not only about grace, but also that peace that he talked about. In other words, what he wants us to be thinking about is that when we talk about God's grace, what are we talking about? We're talking about peace with God and ultimately peace in our lives because we're going to experience what God is doing in our lives. doesn't mean everything's going to go easily. Paul can attest to that. He's in prison. But he has peace because he's resting in the grace of the Lord Jesus. That's what he wishes for everyone in Philippi. He wants them to experience not just initial salvation, but to really allow the reality of that to come into their lives in such a way that they're experiencing it in the moment. 
we can be saved. We can be experiencing ultimately God's grace in our lives in a sense that, that we will be with him in heaven and yet not really be experiencing that peace because it hasn't really become reality in the way that we're living. But once we recognize that, that that grace is coming because God loves us and he's with us, it starts to help us to understand that call for peace as well. Take a look at Exodus 33, 1. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. God called the people to this promised land, and we know ultimately he gave them that promised land. But what else do we know from that? We know that as he gave it to them, there wasn't a question of whether he was going to give it to them. It wasn't, well, if you can somehow summon up enough strength, you will get this promised land. No, it was God willed it. And so they were going to get it. And that's what we see over and over again in that story of the Exodus that we've been looking at on Sunday nights. We're told, who is the Lord? The Lord is the one who has mercy on whom he will have mercy. He loves whom he will love. If he declares that he loves you, he loves you. And he's with you. He wills it and the blessing comes. He wills it and it will happen. You can't earn it and you can't lose it. And that's the key thing is, is Paul says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit as he's leaving them, so to speak, at least in the presence that they've felt from him in this letter. He's not with them physically at the moment, but they're still experiencing a bit of having Paul there because they've been reading this letter. And and if we look, if we're reading a letter from someone we haven't been able to speak to in a long time, maybe this isn't quite as true now. We have all this electronic communication that makes it feel a little bit more, um, common, perhaps, a little more ordinary, but especially if you think back a number of years where we were more inclined to send paper letters, or even with email, it was sort of this novel thing that existed. When a letter came in and we hadn't spoken to someone in a long time, it was really a special event. And maybe that's even true today. You haven't talked to someone and you get a letter, even if it's an email, and you open it up and you realize it's a long letter that, that has lots of detail in it, and, and you kind of savor it. Imagine the Philippians in that place. They, they've opened their inbox, and here's this letter, and they've been reading through it. They're at the end now. And you see that end coming when you're reading a letter. And I, I often, if I'm reading a letter and I'm really savoring it, I'm not happy to be at the end. Maybe they weren't either, but they hear these words. And what Paul wants them to think is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with them right now. It's not that the, the presence of Paul is departing from them. But the grace of Jesus is with them. He's been with them and he's going to continue to be with them. And that was true all the way back for the Israelites. Their problem was that they often lost sight of that in the moment. They, they would see a momentary presence of God, some spectacular miracle, whether it was parting the Red Sea or even the, the plagues and judgments upon themselves. And they could sense God's presence for a moment, but then they closed the inbox, the letter was read, and they started to feel like he was distant again. Now, what Paul knows that the Philippians know, and what we can know is that we know more about the source of that, that grace and that peace than the Israelites did. Sure, they, they had the Red Sea, but we have something even better in Jesus. Take a look 
at John 14.27 as Jesus is preparing to depart from his disciples. This is at the Last Supper. He says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus says, I'm not going to be with you much longer. He knows what's coming. He knows the crucifixion is just hours ahead. The disciples still can't latch on to that idea, but but of course Jesus knows. And he says, I'm leaving, but I'm leaving with peace being there with you. He's still going to provide that peace to his disciples. They can, they can take that in, even in the moments where they clearly don't, even in the moments where they flee, even in the moment where where Peter is busy denying Jesus because he, he's afraid of what's going to happen to him, he could have that peace with him because Jesus doesn't take it away from those whom he has called. If you trust in Jesus, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you have his peace. And if you haven't trusted him yet, consider that very thing tonight, that in all the tumult of the world, in all the, the, the different ways we constantly feel upended, that Jesus is offering you peace that lasts, that, that you can latch onto and hold onto in everything. And you don't have to just set it aside for a special occasion. I remember when I was little and we'd go and get an ice cream sundae, I, I always liked to order one at, at the local custard shop that had hot fudge and extra cherries on it. And the ice cream was fine, but I loved the hot fudge and extra cherry. So what would I do? I'd eat all the ice cream or the frozen custard, and then I'd have just hot fudge and cherries left. And then I would finish my my enjoyment of this by eating the hot fudge and the cherries. I was saving it till the end because I didn't want it to be gone. I didn't want some ice cream without the hot fudge and cherries. I was okay the other way around with the ice cream gone, but the hot fudge and cherries there. So I arranged to save that thing that I was most looking forward to. Maybe the Philippians were sort of thinking, boy, should we have read this letter more slowly? Now Paul's gone, the hot fudge and cherries that we've been looking forward to. We heard that this letter was here. We've all gathered to hear it read. Now it's gone. Maybe they're sort of feeling that. And maybe even if they heard this, if they weren't really reflecting on it, they'd still feel that. But if they really heard what Paul was saying, he was saying, everything you've been getting from me, that's the that's the frozen custard. It's fine. It's just vanilla custard. It's it's pleasant enough. Yes, I mean, of course, they're glad to hear from Paul. He's their friend. He's the apostle that brought the gospel to them. But the, the hot fudge and cherries, the thing that brings it all together, that's not only still there, it's going to be there forever because the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is with their spirit. Jesus is always there to enjoy, and he's always there for all of us to enjoy as well. We can come into his presence experiences grace. And then once we realize that that grace is manifest there, that that really is there, it's a reality, it's not just an idea, then what do we find? We find that grace leads to, to true and lasting peace. That's why when it really comes down to it, if we think about the, the letter to the Philippians, what do we see? We see at the beginning, where does Paul start? The grace of the Lord Jesus. Where does he end? The grace of the Lord Jesus. It is bookends to what's going on here, that, that God's grace is there with them. And that's true for us too. It's true for us as a church, as Little Hills Church, as we think about coming up on a year of meeting in person, as we think about that, what are we supposed to be about? Well, we're still finding out exactly what things we can offer that most 
effectively serve our community? What we, we are we meant to be an evening church forever? Should that change at some point? You know, we've had discussions like that. Every church is thinking about what things do we need to provide? Sometimes it comes down to programs. Maybe we should have this program or that program. We're still small enough. We're not necessarily thinking in those terms oftentimes, but you know, we're thinking about fall coming up, Faithtoberfest. What do we need to offer? But here's what we really need to offer. And this is true no matter what things we do, what events we have, what programs we offer. The beginning and end of our ministry is, is God's grace. That's it. If anything else, we're failing. And those books, all the stuff we put in between those bookends, are just going to fall over. We're going to find that all the cherries and hot fudge are gone if we don't stick to God's grace. The beginning and end of our ministry is his grace. That's where it comes down to. And that's true of the letter to the Philippians. The whole book, if we really think about it, is about God's grace. There's lots of instruction in it. Paul talks about how he views ministry, that he is excited even as people take advantage of him being in prison and, and are trying to take the lead position as, as as the teachers of the community. Why? Because people are hearing the gospel. People are hearing about God's grace. He can have joy over and over again. He uses the, that phrasing. We've talked about it over this last year a number of times of joy and rejoicing. Why? Because he sees the kingdom moving forward. He wants them to be okay, even if it's at cost to him. And and that isn't something that we can do naturally. It's something that comes out of God's grace. We're empowered to do this because we have the grace of the Lord Jesus with us. Paul couldn't do that on his own. He couldn't say, boy, I'm so great. My ministry seems to be going downhill. I'm in prison. These other people are rising up and they're going to be important. In, in a natural human sense, that isn't something that we celebrate because we think, but I'm being forgotten. I'm in trouble. But Paul's experiencing peace because he realizes he has peace with God. And all these other people, no matter how it's playing out, they're, in our modern terms, going to other churches. But they're coming to know Jesus. They're coming to experience God's grace. And so he has joy in that. He has peace in that because he sees the bigger picture because he knows Jesus is with him. It's not about him proving himself as the most effective teacher of the day and getting on the Jerusalem Times bestseller list and, and whatever else one might seek after. It's about God's kingdom. It's about God's grace. But it's not just a distant concept. It's not just manifest, but it's manifest individually to us. And, and this is the other thing that we see as we think about Paul's phrasing here in this one little verse, because Paul doesn't just say, and the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, and then use the plural you, y'all, so to speak. He doesn't do that because, okay, you might say, well, God's grace is with his church. You come into the church, you feel a little bit of God's grace. It's for all of us. What does Paul say here as he says, be with your spirit? Well, commentators, as they, they've wrestled with that phrasing, it, it seems like he's not saying that the spiritual part of us has, has God's grace. That's completely contrary to Paul's thinking that we divide the, the body and soul or something like that. What it really seems to come down to is that Paul wants to make an emphasis. This is something for each of us. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Each person has a spirit. Each person has a soul. And each person has that grace there 
for him or for her, for you and for me. It's not something that's purely somehow for the group. Yes, we're called to be the body of Christ together, but that grace is there for you. Jesus on the cross thought of you, not just a, a giant crowd. He thought of me, not just a giant crowd or a giant membership role. There are certainly churches today that are so big that, that the people that preach week in and week out genuinely see a giant crowd. They can't know the people. They literally cannot know everyone in the room. But no matter how big or small your church is, we know that Jesus, every church in the world is of concern to him. And so we could say, well, how could he know everybody? But he's God and he actually provides his grace individually to you. He cares. This phrasing Paul uses here is thought maybe this is the, the phrasing that Paul would have used in his benediction as he would serve and lead the people in worship when he was in town in Philippi. Maybe they'd heard him say these words, just like we have a benediction at the end of our services today. Maybe they heard him say it a, a million times. But here's an interesting thing. If we think about the benedictions we find in Scripture, and perhaps most notably the benediction that Aaron and his sons were we're called to give that we find back in the instruction, the giving of the law. What do we find about it? There's something really interesting that hadn't caught my eye. And one of the commentators talking about Philippians 4.23 brought this up. And I think it's so remarkable because if we look at that initial giving of the Lord bless you and keep you, that benediction that many of us, most of us have probably heard over and over again. And again, we kind of think of it as just general. It's being applied to the congregation as a whole, the church as a whole. Here's the interesting thing. It, it speaks very specifically about the relationship of the people hearing it individually that are present there. And the Lord, it says his name over and over again, and it says you over and over again, trying to bring the two together. And while it, it's situated in the giving of the law, it's not situated in the place you would probably think it should be. It's situated in instruction very specific to different groups of people that most people wouldn't belong to, like, for example, the Nazarites, who, who would take special vows and do special things. Instruction for the priests. But here's something that every single individual Israelite was supposed to hear from the person representing God to him or to her. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as Paul says these words, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit is much shorter, but he's capturing much the same sense. Just as that benediction was being given to every person as they assembled in, and it talks about God being with them, God blessing them, God giving them his peace. Paul says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with these Philippian believers that heard this. And every one of us who reads it, keeping in mind that he refers to peace and he talks about our relationship to God throughout this letter. What Paul's basically saying is the same thing, and he's saying it very specifically, that each person matters and should hear this. This, this is the core thing that, that each of us needs to know. We're not just numbers before God. God doesn't assign you a member number in the church. You're A0359225. You're not that in the church. No matter how many people ever believe in Jesus, no matter how much longer history goes on, you are never going to be just a number. You are known down to the very individual hairs on your head. God knows every detail about you. 
He cares about you and he loves you. And when, when Paul says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, that's true. That's a promise. That's a blessing for you and for me. I think sometimes we, we hear these phrases and, and we really do. We assume it has to be the larger group or for other people. Sometimes we do that in other parts of life too, and, and much to our detriment. For example, I was reading a survey that was conducted. It was published just the other week from AAA, and they've had this auto safety institute that's been doing research for the better part of a century now, looking at safe driving habits and unsafe driving habits. And, and one of the things they identified is that we really don't know when we're too tired to be driving. They had people come into a simulated driving situation, some kind of VR simulator where they could feel like they were driving and they had them come in at night and they were to drive 150 virtual miles and they could pull over if they wanted a virtual rest stop and, and take a nap or, or, or stretch or do whatever, or they could keep driving. Here's what they found. While three quarters of the people driving at some point in that simulator were too tired to safely drive. That's why they were doing it in a simulator. They, they didn't want them to be out on the road actually at risk of hurting someone, even though three quarters of them were at some point in desperate need of, of a power nap or, or some other kind of restoration before they kept driving to drive safely. A lot of the people that fell into that category, a significant portion, believed that they weren't part of that category. Not me, not really for me. I'm okay. Yeah, sure. People should rest if they're tired, but I'm ready and raring to go. They, they said, well, I feel fine. They didn't realize it applied to them. What happens then? Well, they drive into situations where they shouldn't and they could potentially get into an accident. Bad things could happen. Bad things can happen too when we tend to start thinking that those blessings of God, the, the grace that he has for us is for someone else. We don't realize we need to pull over into the, the grace rest stop and be replenished. We think, I just have to keep going. Sure, some people are going to get grace or maybe someday I'll get grace. But we drive right past that rest stop right there even when we need that grace power nap right now. God's calling us to, to pull over and to rest. And that's what Paul's saying here. Yes, they need to be other-centered. And he goes over that over and over again in this letter, what Jesus has done for us and how he had an attitude that's not a worldly attitude of looking out for, for number one. At least in our sense where we mean us when we say number one. We should be looking out after the true number one, God. But that's not something that we do where we somehow do it out of our own strength. It's not something that we do where somehow, okay, the opposite of being self-centered is to just burn ourselves up until there's nothing left. We need to recognize there's those grace rest stops that we see over and over again in Scripture, and we need to meditate on that and hear that God's saying that to us because how is it that Paul can be other-centered? How is it that he can rejoice in what's happening in the Roman church or the Philippian church even as things go wrong for himself? Because he's being replenished by God's grace and recognizing that grace is for him. Whatever you're facing today, whatever ways that you come to tonight weary, come before Jesus and lay those down and know that grace rest stop is really, truly for you right now. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you for reminding us over and over again that your grace brings peace to us, that your grace is there for us even when we can't earn it. Lord, when we come to 
a place like an end of the letter to the Philippians, and we just sort of race past that, that ending phrase, please stop us and help us to stop and hear again this blessing, this grace that you give each of us. Whatever areas that we're not experiencing that grace and that peace right now, Lord, would you apply that truth to our hearts? Would you reflect, re- refresh us as we're, we're drifting into weariness and, and dangerous life driving? Would you help us to pull over, to have a nice little meal in your presence, to, to, to take a nap in your presence and to, to be refreshed? We can go ahead and do the things you've called us to do, but not through our strength, but through yours. We pray in Jesus' name. I hope this was an encouragement to you tonight. I hope this whole series has been. And if it was, and it has been, I sure would appreciate it. I know it sounds silly when I say this every week, but please do give it a like on your favorite platform. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, however it is that you're watching, give it a share, invite someone to watch it. You make the difference. I bet you know somebody right now who could use a grace rest stop. And I hope that you would encourage them to reflect on the grace and the rest that God offers them. We're going to be thinking a lot about God's grace as we approach Holy Week. Of course, we have Palm Sunday coming up this Sunday. I can't wait to share that with you during our in-person and online worship at 5.30 p.m. But I want to especially bring your attention to Monday, Thursday. That's coming up on April 6th. That's just over a week away at 7 p.m. that evening. A special service is a communion service, and it's a service of darkness and light as we reflect on what God has done for us, the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. I truly believe this is one of the most special times we can gather as the people of God each year because it allows us to reflect on what Jesus did for us on the cross, to experience that together and experience that in a very visual way that drives it home and reminds us of how much he loves us. That's a starting point though. We have to come back on Easter Sunday, and I hope that you'll make plans. Bring your family, have family dinner a little early, and drag them all over, even if they're grumbling about it. Bring them at 5.30 on April 9th, in person or online once again, for a joyful Easter service, our very first in-person Little Hills Easter service. In fact, our very first in-person Little Hills Holy Week set of services in general. I cannot wait to share that with you, so please make plans to be there. Also, next Monday night, we are starting our brand new series on Steadfast at 7 p.m. right here as we are tonight, dawning, and we're going to pick up in 2 Peter. We did a beginning study of 2 Peter way back in summer of 2020. We looked at the first part of the first chapter. We're going to finish out chapter one in this series, thinking about the dawning of God's truth that we find in his word and in the work that he is going to do to come I can't wait to share that with you as well. So I hope that you'll be here next week as we start that. If you have any prayers or questions, feel free to shoot us a text at the text line. It's 833-356-4032. You will receive uh, an answer. Someone will be with you to pray. I, I Generally, it's me. We also have a, a prayer team that often will pick up. What a joyful thing it is that we can pray together. Also, you can just leave a prayer request or question in the comments below, and we can pray for each other there as well. I can't wait to hear from you. I hope you have a wonderful and blessed week, and I will see you again for our brand new series next week.